Hello, friends and travelers. Thanks for listening. You are riding along on the Hostel Road Trip Podcast. Our mission is to spread awareness of the true hostel experience in the Americas and share stories from the fascinating hosts who create those unique facilities. I'm your host, Jimmy Black, joined alongside co-founder of International Traveler's House, Bobby Dyer, and Eric Faria, co-founder of World Packers. Each session, we sit down with hostel operators or travel influencers to hear about their road success, discuss trending hostel topics, and close with tips for travelers who are seeking to have the ultimate experience when visiting each destination. You can't afford to miss this trip. Now fasten your seatbelts and let's hit the road. Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. We are so happy to be here in Portland, Maine, at the Black Elephant Hostel with founder, spiritual advisor, <laughs> creator, Ms. Heather. Lober. Ah, Ms. Yes. Heather Lober. Happy to be here. Yes. All right. Thank you thank for you. coming. So good that you guys stopped by. It's awesome to see you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm also joined once again by co-founder Eric Freo from World Packers. Thank you. So good to be here. It's amazing to see this house. So congratulations. Thank you very it's much. So good. Mm -hmm. And Robert Dyer, co-founder of ITH Hostels. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Heather. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into it. And we are just so excited for this episode because it's the first ever hostel in Portland, Maine. It is brand new. We stayed here last night. What an amazing sleep we had from the road. Thank you so awesome. much. And one of our thoughts last night was, how are we going to fit everything in on this episode? Because this could be a two-part special. It's yeah. so nice in here. And we want to talk about the journey of your hostel as well as the journey of Heather. Oh, gosh. And how you got here. I'm still getting there. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's a work of art yeah. progress, but it's beautiful right now. All Thank right. You. We like what's on the canvas. Awesome. <laughs> now, to start, the black elephant. How did you come up with the name? The name is actually a personal joke. Uh, there is a very exclusive resort on Nantucket Island. Oh! Uh, and it's called the White Elephant. <laughs> and it is run by some family friends, actually, but it's extremely exclusive. They literally serve you Haagen-Dazs by the pool. Wow. And um, when I bought this uh, building, I looked at my husband and I said, this is not going to be the White Elephant. And he said, no, this is going to be the Black Elephant. <laughs> and so that's why. But there are all these other meanings with Black Elephant. You know, yeah. it's like a cross between uh, a white elephant and a black swan. Oh, and, you know, and some of them are kind of negative. It's like, it's like something that everybody knows is there, but doesn't, you don't want to discuss it, uh, which I thought about also, like a good example is um, global warming. Yes. Nobody wants to talk about it. Some people are pretending it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And actually I thought about it with our name because we are a hostel. Ah. And a lot of people are like, oh no, a hostel? Ah, and yeah. you know, and it's like, oh yes. That is the elephant in the room. Yeah. Oh yes, a yeah. hostel. Yeah. I and, like yes. that. Outstanding. So, and, and not only does it have a cool meaning to it, I actually just like the rhythm and the rhyme of the name. It sounds yeah. cool, you know? Yeah, that's nice. Uh, so that's it. Now, a little bit about your journey. We met you at the hostel conference last year in South Carolina, and it was so cool to see that in that moment, it was not yet open. No. It was still a work in progress, a dream in, the, in motion. And now here we are sitting in this beautiful final product, which just makes me so proud of you and so happy yeah, for you. you. But where did this journey start for you? How did you first get into hostel? 
Well, you know, in my early, actually, I think I was 18, and the first hostel I ever stayed at is I hitchhiked to Bar Harbor, Maine, nice. and I stayed in a hostel there. I think it was like a YMCA-run one. Okay, yeah. Uh, no longer exists, which is sad. I think they closed about six years ago, but mm -hmm. that was when I first discovered hostels, and then I did study abroad, and I did some traveling. Um, I have not hosteled as extensively as a lot of my guests yeah. um, because I did hunker down and have a family young. Yeah. So what I have been doing is raising my children for the last 20 years. But yeah, so I did, I, I did all that. I've been actually living on a farm. I've raised a lot of animals from dairy, goats. I've raised everything you can imagine. Um, and uh, I feel like you only live once. Yeah. And uh, there are a lot of different lives I could see myself living, and I was just ready to like try something completely different. That's and awesome. um, I moved to Portland, and I've always wanted. When I think about like what do I want to do, how how can I contribute? Um, and I've wanted to open a hostel before, but I've never lived anywhere that needed one mm -hmm. or anywhere that anyone would visit. Yeah. And when I moved here, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't believe that there isn't a hostel. Great so, city for it. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I did it. That's fantastic. And it's so cool here that you had exposure to this years ago in your youth, but it stayed in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. So clearly it was something that you needed to do yeah. to take care of and yep. growing. And I think it's so important for the audience to hear that, you know, there's no perfect age or perfect time to get into this industry and, it, and it's not constricted to that and you shouldn't give up on those dreams and you should always no. keep them going and see if it lines up down the road. Exactly. I mean, everybody that wants to open a hostel that I have met, uh, they're fresh out of hosteling yes. and they just toured Europe. Yes. Um, but they they haven't saved the money that they need to get going. Yeah. But you know, start saving and yeah. keep dreaming, yeah. and you can do it. And I really strongly, strongly believe where there is a will, there is a way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You just have to go for it. Yeah. And if you really want to do it, you're gonna to have to do a lot of work um, and a lot of thinking, and it's a lot of dedication. It's not just gonna be like, oh, I opened a hostel. Yeah. It was a bitch. It was hard. And I think a lot of people have that experience. They go abroad or they try out houses, and they have the hostel experience to its truest form. And they're like, oh my god, I want to open one of these. I can do this. Yeah, but they, yes. always, they might want to open it for the party or for the ad experience, mm -hmm. but they're only seeing the tip of the iceberg because what really goes out to make a place. It is make, a business. Yep. It is a business, and mm -hmm. it is, it's a complex business. Yes. You're hosting to all these different cultures, religions, walks of life, agents yes. under one roof, trying to make them all happy. Yeah. Not an easy task on a day-to-day -day basis. No. Now, that is so cool to hear a bit about your journey, but now... Let's talk about this sexy building. Oh, yeah. Because that's just one of the words to describe it. What was it before you got it? Um, this was built in 1890. Mm. This is in the India Street uh, zone of the city. It was the old Jewish and Italian section. We still have an Italian street festival, which is oh, awesome. Great. It's literally half a block from here. They closed the street. It's awesome. Um, but uh, when I bought this building... It was in need of a lot of repair. So uh, it was four stories. It still is four stories. But it was an apartment on each story. And they're massive apartments. 
Um, but they were really in need of sprucing up to the point that we had to uh, demolish it all the way to the studs. You gutted the whole The interior. entire building. Everything came down. The okay. only thing that I kept is that back staircase. The city allowed to keep allowed me to keep it. Yeah. There was a beautiful front staircase, and I went to battle to save it, and they would not let me keep it uh, for life safety. Uh, okay. Life safety dictated a lot of this project. Sure. It was very difficult. Um, but yeah, we took it all the way down to the studs. We redid the structural and we did it in nine months time. It was like a pregnancy. Crazy. It was crazy. That's so beautiful. Now, so you gut it down to the studs and when you do something like that, it's as hostile owners ourselves and you have to deal with the local municipality. We actually operate out of uh, historic homes out of an ITH that are from the 1880s. But as soon as you start to touch things, you really do open up a can of worms as far as mm -hmm. how many city officials you have to deal with, yeah. fire code, uh, oh, ADA accessibility, oh. all these different things that egresses, and uh, you're making sure you have the right amount of bathrooms, mixed gender bathrooms, all these different things. And every municipality has different sets of rules as to what that should be. And conflicting sometimes. Yes. So it, it was complicated. I can tell you that the beginning of my journey was that I've always wanted to do it. And um, then my next step was I actually read uh, Vicki Mastis' book. As we all did. It's like the Bible. Yeah. It, it was a great resource, and she really uh, helped me out. And she advised that the first thing you do, my friend, is you contact the zoning department in your city. Yes. And so that's what I did. Step I wrote an email, and I said... I would like to open a hostel in this city. I noticed there is, isn't one. Uh, are there any ordinances against their one existing, or are there certain zones that I can put this? And she, she wrote back, she was awesome. Actually, everybody in the city was really good, if anything. The, the one complaint I have is everybody's so overworked yes, that, yeah. that it's, a, it's a shame. Yeah. But um, I literally went, I went from that, I got the zoning, and then I walked into the, um, Business Development Office of the City Hall. Okay. And they had put out a, a, a brochure saying, doing business important. And it was like a 40-page read, and it told you exactly all the different things, all the hurdles that you need to consider. Okay. And it was extraordinary, and that was just like reading that first book. Yeah. So, and she fun. also, and I encourage you if you want to do this, mm -hmm. to reach out to those people. Let them help you. The city was good, but we definitely um, – had to blaze that trail. Yes. Um, so then I, I I got the go ahead. I found the building. Yeah. I um, I told the city this is what I wanted to do. And before I did it, uh, do I have their permission to do it? And they were like, Yes, but you still have to jump through all these hoops. Then I started in on the financing hoops. Uh -huh. And I uh, I went to four different banks. I was actually approved at three. Three out of four. That's so very rare. It was really, it was really good. I had to come up with the business model, mm -hmm. and that was something I had never done before. But of course, you need to do it. It's a business. That's a and, good process to do, though. And uh, and now I have to go back to that spreadsheet that I originally designed and and put the real numbers in that are starting to come <laughs> yeah. to fruition. Sure. Um, so I did that, but I had to have, I couldn't even, I also got a small business association law, which was wonderful. SBA, great. Yeah, so I have a local bank, and they have the SBA. They brought in the SBA, which was yeah. awesome. And it's great that the government is helping me. Yeah, and that's so important for listeners to hear about, because a lot of time people get discouraged, and they give up before even getting to these processes. But you can look at these municipalities in two ways. You can look at them as the body that's going to stop you from doing this, or the yeah. body that's going to help you get it done. 
Yeah. And if you can work with them, that's how you get through You those. have to work with them. Yes, you can't avoid them. That's They're it. not the enemy. Yeah, good point. And I think that if you go to them prepared with a business model and not just pipe dreams and throwing out ideas, if you show them you're serious and you put the time and effort into yeah. it, they'll give you the same time and effort back. Yeah. They will. No, and exactly. I, I think a lot of people get bad reputations in those municipality jobs. More so because they are overworked. They're overworked. They need to be cloned. Yes. You know, yeah. they, you know, they're trying to do the job of 10 people because of tax cuts. And some of the rules are ridiculous. Yeah. And they know it, but those are the rules and they have to follow them. And, you know, life safety is a bitch. Yeah. Uh, but it makes sense. Yes. And, you know, when I think about it, everybody's like, oh, my God, all the rules, all the rules. I was like, yeah, but, you know, this isn't the anarchy hostel. Yeah. You know, and that wouldn't work, my friends. <laughs> so rules are there for a reason. Yes. Some of them are obsolete and that, you know, need to be refreshed. And that is a part of what I hope when we hopefully do a uh, North American Trade Association yes. for hostels to be able to compile a lot of documents that show how each municipality has treated a hostel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and how it is actually even defined yeah. um, in the uh, code books yeah. and, and educate people. And I mean, I, I called other people and said, well, how do you define this? How did your city do that? But if we can just really compile that it's so, awesome. so very true because different cities, different states, you know, you'll have New York City who banned hostels a few years ago, mm -hmm. except for HR. Then you have cities like this where it seems as though they have actually increased through and made a designation for the hostel. Yeah. And in San Diego, where we're at, they say, hey, we allow hostels, but we're not giving your own designation. You're a hotel and you have to play by the hotel's mm -hmm. rules, which can be very difficult because you're not a hotel. Right. So, no. you know, from city to city, municipality to municipality, it is difficult, but I do agree with you completely that a trade association of sorts to give strength in numbers yeah. and give a bigger voice for the smaller operators all joined together is what is needed. Now, before we turn to the next session, I want to hear a little bit more about this facility's layout as far as how many people do we have? What's our occupancy? Um, well, we have 12 rooms, okay. six are dorms, six are private, we oh, have male, nice we have male, we have female, since there wasn't a hostel before, I really didn't know who was going to come, yeah. so I built it to address all those needs. Um, so they're male, female, co-ed, you can book some of the dorms as privates, we have doubles, triples, 48 beds, sleep 58. We have 10 full-size beds. Um, this room behind me is our ADA compliant room. I think the ratio is that uh, you have to have one ADA compliant for every 12 or 15 limbs. Yeah, that's around I just happen to have 12. Oh, that's perfect. Um, I did have to regrade the sidewalk to make it accessible. Mm -hmm. um, I have... Two bunk beds in there, but they're full-size mattresses, so it's just a little more comfy, and that can be booked as a private and sleep eight. If it's a booked as a dorm, one person per bed, please. Yeah, yes. Yeah, Try to keep it kosher. All right, well, we're here with Heather at the Black Elephant in Portland. We'll be back right after this short sponsorship break, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the complications and uh, endeavors you have to overcome to open up the first hostel in Portland. Hey, James. I have a question for you now. How can you be here on the road with us recording all these podcasts away from your six properties? It's easy. I rely on CloudBets as my wingman. They all want property management suite to help grow my reservations and keep guests happy. With CloudBet software, I have one place where I can see everything going on with my businesses, from daily check-ins to comprehensive reports. And how does your staff like it? My staff loves it too because it's incredibly easy to use. It automates a lot of their daily tasks. 
This means we all get to focus on the most important thing, our guest experience. Cool. And how can a hostel owner get started? Our friends at CloudBeds are offering a $50 credit to Hostel Road Trip podcast listeners. Just visit cloudbeds.com forward slash road trip. Again, go to cloudbeds.com forward slash R-O-A-D-T-R-I-P and see why tens of thousands of properties trust CloudBeds to power over 700,000 beds worldwide. Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip. We are ready to dive into our next topic, which we're going to focus and hone in on more of the strategies and difficulties that you had to overcome in opening up not only the first hostel in Portland, but just a hostel in general and gutting it with studs and rebuilding it with all these things. These are all very challenging issues that you've overcome and you nailed it. It's so beautiful in here. And then also we'll dive into a little bit of the uh, trending issue of Airbnb within the industry. But with the focus of this podcast series being a hostel awareness within the American industry, trying to break down the barriers of the millennial demographic, getting them to try out this experience, because as we've found, once they do try it, they love, love it. it. They love it. And we need more hostels like this one exactly that are touched up and it's a little bit bo- it's a little boutique. Yeah, and know, I did that on purpose you because did, you need to. since there wasn't one here before, yeah. I didn't know who my demographic would be. Yeah. And I figured it would be uh, Bostonian yeah, millennials and, yeah. and people coming up from New York City. Uh, we also wanted to yeah. touch base on the the stigma, the perception that we're trying to overcome, mm-hmm. not only both for the traveler, but for municipalities. The community. Yeah, and, and the community yeah. outreach element. So tell us a bit about this open house you had. I okay. want to talk to the viewers and uh, about that. The open house was interesting. Um, we opened up, we had an open house for like yeah. four or five hours, and it actually went on longer. Uh, we had, I think, 200 or more people come through and check out the space and people were like oh my gosh i didn't know what a hostel was so people thought it was maybe going to be a flop house a brothel a mm-hmm. uh, halfway house yeah. uh, a place for homeless people nothing uh, <laughs> yeah nothing good um and there were a fair amount of people that hadn't hosteled um since they were in europe uh, in their youth um but everybody that came through was like oh my god i'm so relieved uh, I didn't really know what to expect, and it's in our community, and I'm happy to send my guests here. And when you were living in uh, a city, I mean, I honestly didn't even have enough room for my own children in my condo. Uh, so one of the rooms I designed for like, one of my kids to live here. Um, but it is the kind of place where the people in the community were like, oh, my gosh, if I have house guests, I'm totally sending them here. Yes. And it's affordable enough, too, because it's kind of embarrassing. It's like an awesome city, but you don't want to invite your friends to a city where they have to shell out $400 to stay there. Yes. And you yes. don't want to shell it out either. Yeah. So it's yeah. really kind of cool. Yeah. Um, That's really what we've seen a lot with you know hostels going into communities. It's, it's, a, it's a hub for world travelers who are coming through and... Uh, it's so important for each community to have a good hostel. Yes. Just like you're saying. Yeah, yeah but it's also great for the locals' house guests, too. Yeah. And it gives you a little bit of separation. Yeah. So, you know, you're not sleeping on the couch. Or if you want to go and, like, mutter to your spouse about how annoying they really are and you'd forgotten because you hadn't seen them in 10 years. Mm-hmm. A little privacy. Or, you know. But uh, it, it it is a nice space. Something else that uh, a lot of hostels – something was important to me when I designed this was cleanliness. Yes. Um, especially in the bathrooms. Of course. Uh, Shared elements. Yes. 
Um, because I think that's where people are like, oh, I don't want to take a shower. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, we focus on that. I chose, there's no grout anywhere. Yeah, I chose materials, um, yes. that clean very easily. Like the toilets have clean sides. Yes. Uh, there is no moldy shower curtain. Um, uh, everybody yeah. gets their own bath mat and hand towel, yeah. um, so that you don't step out of the shower and go, Ugh. Yes, yeah. we're going to talk a bit more about that in the next section of operational strategies because we loved your bathroom. And we talked about that. You like, got the purple floor. Not everybody got the Yeah, you know, and, and as I looked at Bobby, and I feel like Bobby's become a tiling specialist over the years because we always have to retile things and we have to regrow and the water gets underneath and it cracks and it's just uh, not bad. And uh, we were looking at this last night like, this is amazing. It's done right. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. Well, thought well I knew I was going to be cleaning. Yeah, well, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I want to just touch base on that community outreach again because for other hospital managers and owners out there, you are in essence the an ambassador for the industry in an industry that does have a bad reputation. An industry <laughs> that if we don't get the word out about there about these awesome hostels that these bigger players like Hilton and Marriott mm -hmm. will smother us up and gobble us up and they're trying to take the hostel word out of everything because right. they just don't like the stigma. So I think that that type of community outreach is necessary amongst all hostels because you hear so much about, oh, our neighbors don't like us, the community doesn't like us, I have so many problems with the city. Yeah. You've got to be proactive and you've got to engage and you've got to get it inside your place and show them that mm -hmm. it's not what they think. It's not right. a flop house, it's not Section 8 housing, it's not a drug house, mm -hmm. you know, a party house for kids. It's not any of those. And once you get them in there, you can break down that barrier. Now, another barrier breaker in the industry, and one that we feel uh, at ITH, actually, and at World Packs as well, shares the same opinion that Airbnb helped shift and open up a large area of the shared economy for these kids. Absolutely. And we use them as an OTA within our uh, mm -hmm. hostel, and as opposed to a lot of other hostels that think they're the devil. Now, what is your experience? I do not think that they're devil, and I think they are, are helping to launch the global mm -hmm. shared economy. So the important. Ubers, the Airbnbs, mm -hmm. it is proving to people that you can sleep in a stranger's house and live to tell the tale, mm -hmm. and <laughs> actually end up making good friends and yeah. connections, and not having like a sterile uh, experience mm -hmm. where you're just tucked away in your hotel room and the window doesn't open and you're like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I am not against Airbnb. I do feel that uh, enough cities are having trouble with Airbnb. And now that I'm in the lodging industry, mm -hmm. I totally get the concerns and the complaints against the industry. Sure. Fair is fair. I pay my taxes. Your I had to adhere permits. to my life yeah, safety. Yeah, yeah. And I feel well. that everybody else should as well. Mm -hmm. And I am not opposed to Airbnb, I've stayed at Airbnb, and yeah. I think it serves a great purpose, but I think it does need to be regulated a little bit more. Um, and yeah, how is it here in Portland? Well, I think regulated wise, uh, they're just starting to follow the same model as Charleston, okay. um, and they're really starting to police it. They've invested yeah. in some software to locate it if you're not yeah. uh, registering. They have passed some ordinances this year where it's a hundred dollars to. You, you have to, it's $100 for the first room, 250 for the second, 1000 for the next, and 2500 for the fourth. And you can only list four uh, rooms. Yeah. But I think that a reason why I was able to jump through, and they allowed me to jump through all these hoops to open the hostel, 
is they realized that I was the perfect solution mm -hmm. for the crisis of Airbnb, which is breaking up the communities. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that every there are people that have an investment money and they're buying up um, in the gentrification of the city. They're yeah. they're buying up these starter homes, and right. then there is no housing. housing for, yeah. And it really, I do understand that side of it. <laughs> I mean, um, if you have one home and you're running out a room, I get it. That's yeah. great. You're having to pay your mortgage, but. Yeah. You know, if you're running out all these rooms to pay your five mortgages on your five houses that you've eliminated from the housing pool, That's it's a bummer. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, I like Airbnb. It has helped launch the idea of uh, being more communal mm -hmm. and frugal and environmental mm -hmm. even. Um, but... Um, I think, go ahead. Yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> As you're saying, uh, you know, you have all these outside investors that are, like you're saying, starting up five, six Airbnbs. It'd be amazing if instead of doing that, if they just consolidated and started creating more hostels like this. It would be better for the housing crisis in a lot of cities, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, the city would be pleased to see how this is turning out. Yeah. And, you know, we are the first in the city. This is a wonderful city. I see more coming. I, mm. I see some competition cropping up. I have other ideas as well, yeah. but I'm going to stick with this one, get it going, yeah. start paying back it. those yeah. loans. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, no, I feel like I, I've, I've contributed to the society yes. by, by, by doing this. So. Yeah, that's a very good point for Airbnb. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, an extreme. You, know, you can I use it for your platform and embrace it. But at the same time, I acknowledge and think that uh, the housing crisis, it, causes, it breaks up neighborhoods that used really to be neighborhoods. And back to that issue of safety. The reality is, is, and I hope it doesn't get to this, but if they don't get ahead of the safety concerns, then one horrible incident is going to happen where a fire happens or something mm -hmm. like that, and there's a lot of people in that house and they didn't have the right egress or right. alarms or fire extinguishers. It's a serious issue. This is stuff that, you know, as much as you might, as a hostel owner, you know, complain or think that, you know, paying that fire safety company and having the right, that gives you peace of mind to sleep at night because no one ever wants to be in that situation where you put people in an in unsafe environment. So I had to sprinkle this entire building. Yeah, I, had I to, saw that. Yeah. I had to put a lot of money in. I had to apply for a street opening permit. I had to police that. I had to run new water lines. I had to put in extra water lines. Um, be prepared like yeah. and just do it. If you want to open the hostel, Figure out what you absolutely have to do and just, you know, you're going to have to do it. Don't if, cut if you, corners in those No, areas. don't cut yeah. corners. Yeah. I mean, I feel really good. I am completely compliant. All right. Well, we are just cruising along here in Portland at the Black Elephant. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsorship and we'll be back with Miss Heather Lover. to Hostel Road Trip. We're here in Portland at the Black Elephant Hostel. And now we're going to talk a bit about the operational strategies which make your hostel great and the experience authentic. And obviously we talked a lot about the difficulty of getting past the municipalities, the zoning, the permits, the process of gutting a building down to its studs and rebuilding it. But then obviously once you open the doors, you're going to have all these systems and operations in place that as we talked about a bit before, are a work of art in motion as well, especially as you are the owner-operator. So then you start to find yourself in that natural progression of, well, I've been cleaning all the bathrooms, but eventually mm -hmm. someone's going to clean these for me. Mm -hmm. And then build out the procedure to do so, uh, which takes a lot of trust. But we're going to talk a bit about that. But to start, back to that gutting it down to the studs and talking a bit more about the materials that you chose to build 
afterwards and how much this has in my eyes set you up for success in the area of cleanliness um i you know i headed off to the flooring store with my budget and uh, it was tight yeah. and um i chose uh this floor that we're on now is marmoleum which is actually i think it's original linoleum it's environmentally correct and it's like seamless and it looks oh. like a dream and it's awesome it just rolls out yeah this is sheet product really and yeah. it just feels so durable it's so awesome yeah designing your place something we learned a lot at ith is you know we got started and we're in houses and you know you start to refinish it residential but it only lasts a year or so and mm -hmm. you're doing it again so yeah when you're designing your hostel, you really need to think uh, commercial grade. It seems like you yeah. did that. The, um, the flooring was uh, tile section flooring, so I can pop one of those out when yeah. somebody throws up on it. Yeah, but you have to, like, I really, when I designed this, and it sounds disgusting, but I designed it with vomit in mind. That's what you're going to do. Puke-proof. I also charge a fee for vomit. You got to, yeah. It's the chunder fee. You, you, uh, you know, we try to have you stay within your limits, yeah. but, you know, yeah. we all fail at that from time to time. Yeah, but I think what's important to highlight in this kind of operation is that by doing this and by putting in these commercial grade elements and thinking about it, not cutting corners, you set up your operational strategies for success. Because mm -hmm. as we were walking around last night, we're like, imagine how much time would be saved in our operation of cleaning, you know, 15 or 20 bathrooms at our place if every bathroom had this commercial Different setup. Materials. And you could just bleach it, clean it, and this be done. You're not like, oh, this grout and this tile's cracked and this is over here. You waste a lot of time. And money mm -hmm. and not doing it commercial. Now, obviously, we're, we are in love with so many of the things like the wallpaper and the floor, but let's talk more about into the guest experience of your operational strategy. Tell us some of the traditions or events in here. Do you have meals in towns? How does that work? Um, you know, we've been really kind of winging it and at capacity for these first few months yes. and it's been hard to put anything in place, especially like we've been 100% occupied yeah. and it's been rough going and we've been doing it on a um, little bit of just very few staff members. Yeah. Um, I have plans for like down season to do some Hawaiian shirt parties, some poker nights oh, and to have more yeah. uh, community type events. Yeah. On the on season, I don't want as many locals here, but I do want to bring the community in as well. So I'm going to do some of that. Yeah. Um, we do have, we had a pancake cook off. We have some competition. I heard about that from staff last night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, we don't have, we don't have everything all set up yet. Uh, I'm, I haven't even begun to market yet. It's been word of you mouth. You hit the ground running and you sold hit, out. So you're, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to start slowing. And I, you I opened, know. you said June 15th? June 14th, we opened. Uh, we had two people show up that evening mm -hmm. and it, we didn't even know how to check them in. It was crazy. <laughs> Three days later, we were 60% occupied and then two weeks later, we were 100. Oh, and oh, we were running. Yeah. And I knew when I started that there was a lot that I did not know. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to pretend that I know what I'm doing because I'm still learning every learn day. Learn yeah, and, yeah, and like be real about that. Yeah. Um, Stay flexible. Yeah. The biggest you know, advice. Yes. Yeah. You have to be flexible and see things and adjust to the market. Adjust to be like a chameleon to the situation. Really of your year or two, you know. I'm in my middle years, so that's harder. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, but yeah. no, it, it it has been good. Um, but with that, I think it's important to highlight this. We talked to your staff a little bit last night, and we were trying to see if the manager was on site, and they told us that the first manager didn't last too long, about two weeks. Yeah, and I would always say that it's very important, especially in those early stages, to uh, 
hire slow and fire fast. And I did. Yeah, and you did that. And that's very important because a lot of people in that moment of stress, in that overwhelming, oh my God, we're sold out. I can't get rid of this person. I'll do it all by myself. It would have been so much more damaging to keep that person around than yeah. allow it to mess up you being the brand and the energy around it. Yeah, and and really, it was when you say energy, the it's the energy that I hire for. Yes, yeah, we're um, the same way. You know, you your your vibe is very important to the hostel. Yep, um, contagious. Yeah. Uh -huh. So um, even if you. You're a world traveler. If you're stuck in the mud, it ain't happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. So, so that's very good advice for listeners out there. But back to the traveler here. So obviously we've been sold out. It's rocking here in the summer. And the events are going to be developing as we kind of catch our breath into the winter here. Right. And getting in some more in-house events mm -hmm. and also some more community outreach events. Mm -hmm. Now, to talk about two of the obstacles or pillars that we're trying to break down for that millennial demographic to be comfortable to just try it out. And that's all we're asking you out there is just try it once mm -hmm. at one of these highly reputable hostels like here at the Black Elephant in Portland. But what would you say for security, cleanliness, the big two there that right. really people have a hard time breaking down with all this shared environment? I have traveled a fair amount and I've done so as a solo female traveler mm -hmm. and I feel safer in a hostel. Right, you're amongst numbers. You are, yeah. have a buddy system mm -hmm. and you know when you don't return to your bunk, people notice yes. and are like, hey, well we last saw her drinking there? tequila. Um, or, you know, and that's the other thing too is that this is a, a family traveler hostel. Often this is branded as people are, oh, it's a youth hostel. It's like, no, it's not a youth hostel. Yes, you know, yeah, like I'm nearing 50. There. We have guests here that are over 70. Yes. Um, the, the vibe changes on a nightly basis depending yeah. on who checks into the establishment. Mm -hmm. So it's a completely different feel from day to day. But I would say that we've had uh, pretty consistent. It's been pretty consistent. I think people are spreading word uh, and it's like the same kind of group coming yes. in. And a lot of people that come here, they're like, I don't really ever want to stay in a hotel again because you get to talk to strangers mm -hmm. and we're all dying for connection. Yeah, everyone's looking at their phone, their iPad. And we talk about that all the time. And this is a, something that the millennial demographic, because they've grown up in this desensitized mm -hmm. uh, social media world of just being with your gadgets, this is an opportunity to have a very authentic sharing of experiences with other human beings yeah. and a little connection. And then how about reception? Is it 24 hour reception? No, I have reception from 7 a.m. to 11, then I lock. Like 7 11, I like it. <laughs> then I lock the door at 11 a.m. and we reopen at 3 p.m. And that is our housekeeping shift. Okay, so you got a little. Uh, you can still hang out here, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, if you show up and knock on the front door, depending on the mood I'm in, I will either let you in or say, sorry, we're closed. <laughs> it's all in the email I gave you. Yeah. I give them all that information ahead of time. And then we open up from 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. uh, we discourage late check-in. Um, because we find it disruptive, especially in your, if you're in a dorm, we require that you stay in a private, and there is a late check-in fee if you come in, rolling in past 10, 10.30. That's, you know, these are nice features to keep the operation flowing and avoid a lot of these problems. You know, so for the listeners out there, especially even for the travelers, uh, it can seem like a nuisance, but you need to know the underlying reasoning behind this. Mm -hmm. As you just talked a bit about the late check-in, you don't want to be waking everyone up and all these things. And then with that lockout uh, period, which they're not actually locked out of your existing guests, you can still come in. Yeah. Hostels for years had that for the reasons you got to get into the place and clean for it up. Yeah. 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 You know, and get, and let, 
yeah, let your housekeepers reset this experience for the next guest coming in. And it's hard to do when you got people laying yeah, when all over the place. People get angry when they can't check in early, but I'm like, we're actually, we're making it clean for yeah, you. And then they're, they're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as security is concerned, is that it has gone leaps and bounds since the old youth hostels. Yeah. Uh, I can change. I have a... Somebody come in that I'm like, you know, I don't ever want him coming in here again. I can yeah. change, reprogram all the locks, and that's the access code that everybody gets. And yeah. I, we have the technology to say, we changed the locks today, yeah. and here's the new lock. Yeah. Um, and and then as far as uh, security, we do have uh, security cameras in the communal space, yeah. downstairs Very only. Important. The rest of it is all private, yeah. and the exterior. Uh, we have flood lighting, and we have cameras on the exterior as mm -hmm. well. Um, we you have key cards to get in your rooms, and then we also provide lockers with keys. Very nice lockers, um, big lockers, though. very nice. Yeah, I, I very uh, yeah, that was a, that was a big hit to the budget for sure. Sure, yeah, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna spend. But people time. really do appreciate having lockers and having lockers in their own rooms, so they're not traveling to yeah. another yeah. part of the building to yeah. get their things. I definitely loved it, and that is just those small creature comforts in here that you have to come see the black elephant in person in Portland to really appreciate how well designed and put together the flow of this place is. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll be closing out our episode here at the Black Elephant with Miss Heather Lober and we're going to be talking a bit about the perfect day and the guest experience here in Portland, Maine. So stay tuned. All right, we're going to close out by talking about a great day here in Portland for a prospective guest that's checking into the Black Elephant Hostel. And what are some things that they can get an experience in outside of the hostel in Portland? Well, Portland is truly an amazing city. Uh, I love it. The people here are just real. You just feel comfortable. You feel welcome. Uh, no matter who you are, what color you are, what gender you are, it's just we're all really real people. Um... The city is so walkable that if you have a day, you're going to see a lot of it. If you have three, you're going to really see a ton of it. Uh, we were just voted the foodiest city in the country by Bon Appetit, and it's for real. We really are that awesome. Mm. I can't recommend and steer you wrong. That's fantastic. Um, we actually have two James Beard award-winning restaurants literally a block and a half from here. Wow. Uh, we have... An awesome dive bar a half a block from here. Yeah. We have a food co-op. You can we have a lot of ferries. The, the the ferry terminal is a four block walk from here. And you can explore Casco Bay and stop on all the different islands. There's this great island called Peaks Island that people really enjoy mm -hmm. going to for a day trip. We actually have some awesome beaches when it's really nice out. Mm -hmm. Um it's just we have great museums. The whole thing is just good. It's a really cool city. It's a trending city. And I'm shocked that there wasn't a hostel in this city. So it's yeah. great that you brought to it. And I think that this is the perfect type of city for a backpacker. Because like you said, it's fully walkable. We yeah. got in here last night. We parked our car. We haven't touched it since. Mm -hmm. And it was very easy for us to just go walk about without any map, without any direction. And just stumble into shit. Um, no, the city is just 
So awesome. We have uh, something called the Old Port, which is we're one block outside of Old Port in the India Street neighborhood here. Um, and it has cobblestone streets. It's really charming. Mm -hmm. Like I, every day that I walk uh, the city, which I do with my dogs and stuff, yeah. I'm just blown away at the beauty of it. All seasons. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it is a gorgeous space. Well, I think it's the type of city that you can come and create your own experience mm -hmm. very easily. And you don't have to rely on any big events because you have everything here. It's all within walking distance and it's a great time. So we highly recommend that you come to Portland and you stay at the Black Elephant Hostel and really get this experience and see this beautiful new place because I really do think that you have highlighted the model of the future for the American Hostel Thank you. that can cater to that millennial demographic, cater to some of our higher necessity needs that we have compared mm -hmm. to the other bad factors. And this is a home run and I just see you flourishing here. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for being with us, Heather. I'm so glad you guys came. Robert Dyer. It was a good time. Thanks a lot, Heather. Thanks, Eric Robert. Faria. Thank you, guys. So good. And we Thank are Eric. Hostel Road Trip. I'm Jimmy Black and we are done with our New England tour, 10 episodes deep. Stay tuned as we move westward.